0: you're listening to the get out and drive podcast with john custom car nerd meyer and jason old car guy car we'll be bringing you gearheads everything you never wanted to know about cars and why they should be on the road and not in your garage are you ready to get out and drive Get those cars on the road October 2nd, 2022 to celebrate National Get Out and Drive Day. Visit nationalgetoutanddriveday.com for more info.
1: John, before I was ever the co-host of the Get Out and Drive podcast, I was a participant in National Get Out and Drive Day. And this being the third year, I'm excited to be a part of that and the podcast. But we've also got some people who have written into to us to let us know that they are also joining for the third year of the national get out and drive day yeah i think it's pretty cool
2: we've got some seasoned veterans and they're actually sending us pictures of the decals all stacked up on their cars it's getting to be a tradition and they've got them racked up and i can't wait for more and more years and more pictures of everybody smacking them all over their windshield and dashboards and everything so i know for any of our listeners if you have uh the past two years and you're definitely going to participate for 2022 send us the pictures
1: of your stickers we'll definitely mention you because that's pretty cool if you're social media friendly and you want to post your ride to get out and drive so that we can see what you're riding and we want to see those stickers ladies and gentlemen welcome back to another great episode of the get out and drive podcast my name is jason old car guy car I am John Custom Car Nerd Meyer. John, have you ever sat and looked at people's screen names on social media and thought, what is the story behind that screen name? Who is this person?
2: Yeah, I've, I've done that quite a lot. I look and there's some crazy, crazy people that I follow. And I'm like, well, how did the guy get that name? You know, Paul that works with us, he is, he is B Cuda, 69 for anybody who wants to follow him on Instagram. And that's because he has a, an right. A-body Cuda. Just kind of rings together. And it, and it makes sure that people know that that's who is behind that. That's how they got their persona.
1: And as we introduced ourselves, you introduced, I introduced you, or you introduced yourself as John Custom Car Nerd. So you've got that. Um, you know, you've been into custom cars. Uh, you're a nerd. I guess that's where the story comes from with that.
2: That, that is definitely because as much as other people can be considered a nerd from comic books and, and anime and all that type of stuff, I have that ridiculous retention of useless information for everything with wheels. And that's where the nerd part comes in. So,
1: Well, one of the things that our guest today has is a unique screen name that he uses on social media as well as on his YouTube channel. And he's also my partner in crime over on the Car Guy and Six Fan Show. And that is my friend, Grant Tommy, who is straight six fan. Grant, welcome to the podcast.
3: Hey, well, thank you both for having me on the show today. It's a real pleasure to be here and appreciate the platform to talk about a little bit about myself and the channel.
2: Well, we're glad to have you here.
1: So seeing as how we are talking a little bit about you today, as I mentioned, straight six fan, we want you to tell the story behind that name. Yeah,
3: absolutely. So I I guess where it all starts is I think most of us, when we get into this hobby of ours, the the automotive stuff uh, of any sorts, you know, whether it's through YouTube, whether it's through just being on online forums and reading magazines and all that things. So I'm 36, so I would have been still part of that magazine era. When it came time for my first vehicle, my parents decided they would buy off of my dad's construction company, a 1995 Ford F-150. As the construction company was basically saying, hey, this has too many miles on it. Now we need to get you a new company truck. Uh, we're going to phase this out. My dad thought, hey, well, my middle son needs, a, needs something to drive to high school. So we'll buy that off. And so it was a 1995 Ford F-150 and is an inline six. Now, of course, I'm also, I always say I'm a byproduct of the early 90s, like so home improvement. Tool Time, and um, also Family Matters shows. So Carl Winslow drags home an old Dodge Polara police car for him and Eddie Winslow to fix up. And then Tim Allen's building a 32 Ford Roadster. So, you know, I have these grandiose ideas of what that's going to be for me. Well, I wound up being a 1995 Ford F-150 with a 300 in line six. And so I had two choices. It was one, just kind of complain about what I got that I didn't have to spend a dime on. <laughs> and, and be, a, be a bad son or just kind of own it and, and think along the lines of build what you got. Uh, and that's where straight six van kind of comes from. So it was really literally the first time I used that, it was a high school, it was an email account I generated in high school.
2: That's pretty cool. And and I know there's several different people that I follow that, that kind of have that same persona and people that you see that they're interested in C10s and they have C ten in their name. Or people that are interested in Novas have, you know, the Nova guy uh as their as their uh screen name on several different social media platforms. And it's it's weird how things evolve that way. And and you've kept that and you have a good story behind it, so that's cool.
3: Yeah, and it really got to a point. I mean, I think we can all relate, whether you're a car guy or not, um, at some point, you know, every website wants you to have a screen name. And at some point I just got tired of coming up with a new one over and over. So it's was like, what's, what's so wrong with straight six band? And I think when new people come to my YouTube channel, they always think, so obviously he's only going to build inline sixes. Well, that's not exactly what I want it to be about. Yeah. It's, it's paying homage to my, my first vehicle in the story. I just told, you know, like build what you got kind of thing. It's meant more for what I've coined offbeat hot rodding. And that just means like, we all don't have to wait around until the, the pristine 69 Camaro falls in our lap at that ridiculous price point. It just means like, I think there's other opportunities to build something cool. Just get into the hobby, find something that is accessible to you and what makes sense for you. And that, that's, that's kind of what straight six van embodies.
1: And as we kind of move forward into talking about certain projects and this and that, you had mentioned the odd bodies. Those who may or may not know, I have a 79 Chrysler Cordoba, So it's kind of the last of the B-body Chryslers. John's had his share. He's had the Mavericks. He's recently bought a really cool K car. But at the end of the day, we talk about our project cars and offbeat hot rodding. So offbeat hot rodding, and we talk about this on our show together, Grant, is that it's just the odd, offbeat, weird something that you just don't see driving down the road every day. Your your most recent project was a Ford Fairmont. It's a Fox body, but it wasn't a Mustang. And you've recently made an acquire of a another great odd body. I, I guess, let me just let you let you share what it is and, uh, and, and how you kind of come into that. Yeah, so peek behind the curtains, I guess, depending on when this episode
3: goes live compared to my next YouTube upload. I'm pretty sure I'm going to title it, Did I Just Buy the Ugliest G-Body Ever Made? because I do believe it is the ugliest you G- i ever I made, agree. but I like it. So <laughs> it's it's 1979, uh, Pontiac Grand Prix, you know, Jason, you and I, we have these sayings, kind of like, it's so wrong, it's right. Maybe a better name for a channel would be Detroit's Derelicts, you know? is So I'm subscribing to Car Craft Magazine circa 2000, 2001, and, you know, David Freiberger is the editor back then, and, And I think I kind of latched on to the, well, I'm not going to be able to come up with $8,000 as a high school kid to find a Barracuda Mustang or whatever. At the same time, I'm going to car shows all the time. And and at some point you get, you get numb to seeing the same thing, the same Nova's Chevelle's Camaro's Mustangs, all the sorts. And not to say they're bad looking cars. They're not, they absolutely aren't. But I figure if somebody can, Stop by a 1979 Pontiac Grand Prix and go, what the hell is this at a car show and be interested in it? That makes you a much more talented builder than the person who just rolled out the 69 Camaro.
2: Well, I can I can say that definitely is true from a person that owned a pink cow look VW bug as his first car, which is fantastic for myself. <laughs> I was all about the nerd cars. I still am. Uh, a lot of people hassle me because of the Mustang 2 I'm just a Mustang Two fanatic, you know, Cobra Mustang, you know, 74, 75, 76 Cobra Mustang. That will be my next project. I have to have one. I'm into that. You know, I'm the person that coined the phrase disco muscle car. Some people love it. Some people hate it. It's something to tell you about smog era Detroit, just malaise, anemic terrible cars from the 70s and it's a disco muscle car it looks like a 75 gto but why why does it have 112 horsepower that's the kind of stuff that i like that's the stuff i'm behind and just like what you said grant that it's the weird it's the oddball it's the camaro 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 chevelle camaro mustang what the hell is that maverick it's that kind of mentality that is has pushed my love for cars
3: John disco muscle car I'd be curious to to get your take on this cuz when I say odd body I'm it's always OPEC era and mm-hmm. and for me I feel like I set the limits at 1973 is the start of course I mean yes. I don't think there's any debating that but the, the end parts weird for me I typically go 81 because that's the second gen Camaro runs up to 1981 before they restyled to the third the third gen but the other part of me thinks you know, really Detroit didn't start correct writing its wrongs until about like 1986 ish when fuel injection became more mainstream and like, you know, the grand national really was hitting its stride right about 85, 86. -hmm. Where, where would, for disco muscle cars for you, where do you feel like you, uh, you cut off that, that end
2: of it? I would consider anything like disco muscle car from probably 1973, with five mile an hour bumper cars and rubber bumpered cars to about maybe eighty. Regardless of style and body style carryovers for years until eighty two, you know, and things like that with a changeover of there's no eighty three Corvette and and that type of stuff and things changed a lot. You know, the end of the world in in nineteen eighty eight when they had a front wheel drive Grand National looking Buick Lesabre. I hate saying all those words together in the same sentence, but you know what I'm talking about. Is you look at an '87 GNX, and then you look at a oh, an '88 Buick Lesabre <laughs> that's got Grand National emblems and things on it, and it's all black, and you just hear the music from boom, boom, ba, boom. Where oh, I just hear oh you price is right fail horn yeah 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 the price is right fail horn and you hear that and you hear somebody say well well i got a grand national really you have an 88 grand national did you lose a bet what happened
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> absolutely Yep. Yeah. no i'm
2: waiting right, right there with you uh, locks whatever that phrase is i remember that era i remember my dad buying cars in that era I get shot in the face from social media all the time. I'm interested in Granada's. My dad had a cream colored Granada two door and he went from the Ford dealer to the Sears and put slots and white letter tires on it like five minutes after he bought it. You know, I remember all that stuff from the seventies. I remember that terribleness.
3: But my other thing about that whole era of cars, so, so by trade, I'm an architect. Mm-hmm. So I'm a designer. So I'm, I'm constantly like, I want things to look good and and all that. As an architect, there are certain things like through construction, something will end up about a building that's just goofy and funky. And for the passerby, they're like, why the hell is this bulkhead here? Like this just looks out of place. And then you come to find out, it was kind of out of my control. There was something that came up in construction Really, we have to settle for this bulkhead running like, all right, fine. So I I have inside of me kind of a, I don't know, soft spot in my heart for these, these engineers or these car designers of 1973 through 1981 who literally, you know, you just got done with this like awesome era of automotive design work, 64 to 72, and then the government's imposing these rules and they just don't know how to react. And so some of it I feel like is like, okay, well, we strip away these rules, these sucky rules that we've gotten further and we we figured out like, okay, we really didn't need to just lower compression ratios. We didn't need to just put grotesque bumpers in front of these cars. Like what could these, this Arab car looked like if you strip that away? And I think that's the other part of it. Why, for whatever dumb reason, I'm drawn to this Arab car. I think, I think that's part of it. It's just me as a designer.
1: Well, and and Grant, you and I have talked on several occasions, whether it be uh, through a text or through a phone call or on our own show, about how much you and I think alike. You mentioned you're 36, I'm 10 years older than you are, so there's there's almost a full generation there between likes and dislikes, whether it be music, cars, whatever it happens to be, but yet we're on that same wavelength. And when John had asked me to come over and be a part of the get out and drive podcast very quickly, learning just how much John is like-minded of us and how he, you know, we just kind of fit in that same mold of guys who just, we like the weird looking stuff. And we absolutely 100% appreciate common Camaros, Mustangs, Chevelles, whatever it happens to be. We all love that stuff, but we have a soft spot in our heart. For that thing that's just not quite right. We want to break this down a little bit further to say, okay, you bought yourself a Grand Prix, a 79 Grand Prix. It's a G-body. Well, G-bodies are becoming very, very popular in 78, 79 into the 80s. Some of them are starting to throw some v 8s in there. They're getting some fine lines, but no, this Grand Prix is just gross. Um, It's got hubcaps, It's got a split grill right down to the bumper. And above all else, it's Band-Aid beige. Like, come on. Like, can you not get any cooler than Band-Aid beige in 79 (laughs) with the wood grain dash and the hubcaps and the missing filler panels? And like, oh, my God, that car is such a nice looking car. So so our friend over at Paul's Speed Shop on YouTube
3: Buttcrack Pizza, if I'm able to say it here, uh, on Instagram. He said prosthetic limb beige. was, And I'm like, you know what? I think that might be the name for the project is <laughs>
2: Project Prosthesis, <laughs> right? Um, but uh, trying, we'll see. We'll see. I'm trying to hold my composure. You said prosthetic limb beige. <laughs> yeah. So
3: I can't take credit for that
2: one. Dude, but, that's uh, never is... love and riot.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, hearing aid beige was the last winner okay. for the Fairmont. Okay. okay. But uh, yeah, so where was I going with that? But uh, I, I guess I guess I go back to so Jason, you and I we had Ben Hermance of uh, Hermance Designs on. I think I like season three, maybe or something. He was
1: one of our first guests. But it,
3: yeah, if you haven't checked out, just Google Ben Hermance, and that's basically as it sounds: H-E-R-M-A-N-C-E Spirit of '76. He, I th- believe his popular hot rodding magazine basically commissioned him to come up with just ideas for cars. And he calls them B-level or C-level cars. That's that's this OPEC era. And Spirit of 76, obviously, just means bicentennial year. He picked only makes and models from 1976. And he has, If I mean, if you don't mind me saying just really good <laughs> looking stuff, I mean, from an AMC Hornet, and I'm way into the pro-touring look and everything so it's all it's all it's all that so if you're into that look it up and it just gives you a really good example of like what these cars could have been again if you strip away all the crappy rules the government is throwing at them
2: yeah that's that's definitely true and and this kind of goes out of that era the tiniest bit but it's still a fun story my dad traded in a 79 mustang for an 84 mercury topaz I, i know again the fail boom 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 oh and well, so we're sitting in the dealer and the car pulls up and it gets delivered. And my dad takes the plates off his old car, puts them on the new car. We get in and shut the door and, and it's a two door. And what happens? The seatbelts go. <laughs> and and it makes this rattling and shaking and banging. It sounds like you threw a wheelchair down the stairs. And this car has a window sticker in it and three tenths of a mile on it. And I said, Dad, is it supposed to do that? He goes, "Hmm, I guess it's new technology. And it never changed. It was the most terrible thing ever until he got rid of the car. And I I, I remember to this day exactly, exactly what that sounded like. It's like a fork in a blender. I don't know if you've experienced that sitting in a Tempo or Topaz or any vehicle from that age it's the worst thing ever. And I'm glad that I got to witness that firsthand because somebody'd say, Oh, yeah, hey, yeah, that's all worn out and everything. No, dude, this was absolutely brand flipping new. And the thing sounded terrible.
3: John, I go back to the parallel as an architect and as a designer. The, the funniest thing so I'm usually an interior designer picking out paint colors on the projects I'm on. But you, you look at some, you read some of these paint colors and I'm like, Man, what? what did you have to smoke to come up with these paint names? And I, I think when you say Topaz, it's almost like, okay, how did you think you were going to sell a bunch of cars name something? Topaz, you know, like it's just destined for, <laughs> for death upon
2: arrival. Right. Yes. <laughs> Sounds like a foot fungus. Yes. I'm sorry. Did you see him? He's a nice guy. Yeah, but he's got Topaz. <laughs> Jason, you like cruising around the internet, just uh, searching for projects that you don't need. you do that?
1: I do. It's probably my second job.
2: It is your second job. I know I get smacked all the time because I've got plenty of projects, and uh, I, I, I secretly still look for things other than the things that are in my driveway. What's wrong with us?
1: I don't know. It's definitely a sickness, but uh, you know, one of my favorite places to visit is racingjump.com. I go there a lot. I probably shouldn't, but I go there a lot. It's
2: it's like uh, a little, little secret hideout. I get really good deals there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry I'm saying this on the podcast. I'm going to let out the secret, but I'm, I'm getting much better deals there than I am on uh, a lot of other websites.
1: Yeah, and not only can you buy and get good deals, but you can also sell your own junk and put money right in your pocket.
2: Yeah, that's right. They don't charge any transaction fees. Just a hundred percent of what I make through my ad,
1: I keep. Absolutely. So, clean out your garage for spring. You can post all your junk on RacingJunk.com. Wow. Well, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna stop talking now.
2: I'm gonna head out to the garage and uh, I'll, I'll probably be back in a little bit. But I'm gonna head out and clean up some stuff. I know I've got a ton of stuff to sell.
1: Start making money today.
2: Get out in racingchunk.com. Sell your stuff. Get money sticking in your pocket.
1: Grant, let's go back for a second and talk a little bit about um, our past. Uh, you mentioned Ben Hermantz, and I think it was on a post that you saw of his uh, where you recognized a Chrysler Cordoba at some point and out of the blue uh, messaged me on Instagram. Uh, Tell us that story and and how uh, Grant and Jason kind of uh, got to know each other. It's pretty blurry, the past, right? Like, how do you, (laughs) I'm not
3: sure the accounts, the account is 100% accurate, but I believe so, you know, it all spawned out of when YouTube made their new announcement about the threshold for monetization. At the time, I was currently monetized. You know, the old threshold was like, have 100 subscribers. And I think that was it, really. So I was starting to see what it's like to bring in money from the YouTube site. Again, not that much, but they announced, you need a thousand subscribers and 4,000 hours of watch time. And so what happened is we all flipped out and we all are like, okay, well, I don't know how I'm going to solve the the watch time thing yet, but I know how I can probably pick up the subscribers. So we all were in these, these chat rooms trying to pick up subscribers and, and personally, I would, you know, you would go to, Most of them like would be like your um, Dean Emmons, your uh, uh, creator fundamentals, um, kind of your Tim Schmoyers of the world would be where I would find myself mostly like looking for tips and tricks. But in the chat, you know, I'd be looking at channel names. I'd be checking them out and I wouldn't subscribe to any of them unless they were car related. So I'm like, well, this person's not going to subscribe to me because they're not going to be interested in what I'm doing if they're about braiding bracelets or whatever, you know, (laughs) their channel might be about. So I think that's how I stumbled upon old car guy. Jason was you and I were in the same chat at one point in time, and then, um, and then yeah, it was Instagram didn't, uh, direct messages from there, and it was yes, Ben, it was be either Ben Hermance's cordo- seventy six Cordova rendering or a cab over truck that I think uh, kicked off <laughs> kicked off the relationship um, from there.
1: Yeah, and and what basically what that did was that stumbled into us figuring out just how much uh, we had in common. And I think earlier on tonight, uh, and we should have been recording, and I wish uh, Paul would kind of get his acting gear with that. When <laughs> when, jo- when Joanne, our uh, production manager, uh, talked about a dating site per se for car guys who you didn't show a picture of yourself, uh, you showed a picture of your car. And if you liked said person's car, well, you could add that person as a friend, but... You know, if that person had this car and they had stick-on hood louvers on the top, well, you could just swipe left and, you know, and, and, and get that guy out of the way real quick. And I think that it, that's kind of what, you know, the relationship that Grant and I have developed over the last four years is just that, is it's a couple of car guys having very similar interests who, you know, basically come to the point of saying, okay, you know, let's help each other grow, uh, not just in our friendship, but also on our YouTube journey to reach that monetization goal that YouTube had previously screwed out a lot of people of. So Grant says, you know, I think we should do a show, uh, a live stream of some sort. You know, at the time, you I think you needed 100 subscribers on YouTube to be able to go live. Was it uh, Grant, if I do recall? Yeah, it may have been. Th- I think it was 1000 to go live mobile. It oh, yes. only been yeah. So you hundred, 100 to go live online or whatever it was. Anyways, we decided that, you know, let's put a show together, a live stream where people can come join our live stream in the chat like we used to to everybody else and try and get ourselves back to that monetization. So uh, it basically just kind of sprawled out into uh, what we have now coined the car guy and six fan show on YouTube which takes place every Thursday evening, um, most Thursday evenings. We do take breaks here and there, but uh, for the most part, every Thursday evening, 7 o'clock Central Time, we alternate channels between Old Car Guy, which is my channel, and Street Six Fam, which is Grant's. And we have had a ton of success doing pretty much what we're doing here, introducing guests, and we've had John on uh, as the Get Out and Drive podcast podcast. Post on our show. And now it's kind of like the roles have somewhat been reversed because essentially we're kind of both on another, you know, streaming situation where we're asking each other questions and talking about stuff, mostly car related. Let's talk a little bit. I want you to talk on your, uh, from your point of view of what you've experienced and how the car guy and six fan show has kind of helped uh, with what you're doing as far as YouTube goes.
3: I think the most rewarding thing, looking back, I mean, so what? We're in uh, season seven, soon to be eight. Would be the next one. I mean, we've we only got two episodes left as we record this tonight. Is is like the regulars that are there, you know, like King Eric, the greatest of all, as he goes by on YouTube. He's got snark like none other, but I never met the guy. But I feel like would just probably. I would pee my pants laughing if I met him in person, you know. I mean, he's just just a good and it's just like, man, I I don't have that level of commitment <laughs> to show up <laughs> weekly <laughs> or something. So um aside from host and co-host duties, right, for the show itself. But I the other part was so I the Car Guy and Six Fan show is born out of a little bit um I, the coworker of mine who got me into YouTube first and foremost, he took over, he kind of like took the baton from some other channel who had started doing live streams and started just interviewing other YouTube channels in the niche just to get exposure to other people. That's what this is all about, right? It's just networking at the end of the day. We're all, we're doing every, no matter what walk of life you're in, it's, it's, it's networking. So he he this other, I mean, and I can't remember the name of that first channel, but Greg's garage, my coworker, he he did the next iteration. And then when he was kind of done with it and and I enjoyed watching those and finding new channels, I asked, Hey, can I can I take this over? Can I do this uh know your neighbors is what it was called series? And so I started doing that for a while and once a month interviewing other YouTube channels. And Jason, you were one of my guests. And then it was funny because you you messaged me and you're like, I think you need to up the know your neighbors bit, Grant. And I was like, well, Jason, I don't know what to tell you about I'm thinking about actually canceling that. And I said, <laughs> and here's why, because I think we need to turn it into a weekly show. a co-host. And I was looking for a co-host that I could rely on and could depend on. I mean, there were maybe two or three other channels I had thought about, but I was like, "Me and I just don't know about that person. I just don't think they'd be consistent. And I, I knew... I could tell by our correspondence that your energy to, to get better at YouTube constantly it's like, yeah, this guy's not gonna miss a week. So that's when I reached out to you as like, what would you think about if we did know your neighbors, but as a two-man show? And that's I think where Car Guy and Six Fan started.
1: And just I I've got to take this opportunity uh, to dig a little bit to say that in the seven seasons of the Car Guy and Six Fan show this guy right here has perfect attendance Um, and Grant has flaked off on me uh, I think five times now uh, as the host or the co-host of that show and I've had to find substitutes so you know John I think that we're in you're in good hands good reliable here I am call me up because I'll be there and uh, (laughs) we'll we'll get this show on the road
2: wow I didn't know you were double jointed That is so easy to pat yourself on the back. That's amazing. Good job.
1: You're not tooting your own horn if it's true. That's true. You
2: are exactly correct. I am the best. I'll blame it on work. Right. I'm the the best guy you've ever met. Just ask me. (laughs) So, Grant, I know we talked a little bit about, I guess, the nerd cars, the OPEC cars, the emissions, bogged down, malaise era stuff. Every derogatory adjective I could possibly throw at these vehicles. Other than the oddity of them, does is there anything that draws you to them? I mean, the Fairmont, so it's my
3: first project car on the channel. I kind of have, have this matrix when I'm looking for a project car. There's 10 questions I ask myself, and I can get eight out of 10. And it's like, what, why aren't you buying this thing? And, you know, it, it was a very common platform, Fox Body platform. So I knew I could buy used Mustang parts, hand over fist. And so I think that's part of the appeal for that specific car. But then it's also, we were watching an episode of Engine Masters and, you know, he's either Freiberger or Dulcich was saying, um, it, I think it was a, one of those motor home 440 episodes where they're like, just attack the things that you know are just completely just wrong about the motor. So in that era, it's either the camshaft, well, it's usually both, the camshaft and it's the heads you have low compression and you have these like just really lame camshaft grinds right so that's what project low fairmont was for me it's like if i just change one thing what happens and so i, I found a set of gt40p heads slapped them on the otherwise low compression motor and it really woke that thing up and and i want for people out there who are just kind of nervous about getting into the Into the hobby to see head swaps is a little beyond bolt on, just a hair, I think. Um, because it still is at the end of the day, a bolt-on, right? Like here I'm bolting something, rebolting something down, but don't feel like you need the room for an engine swap. And just really be smart about it. Just go attack the one thing that makes why did a 1978 Ford Fairmont only have 140 horsepower in a 302 compared to a 1969 302, which probably had 305 horsepower Mm -hmm. is by and large the compression ratio. So anyway, that that's, I think that's the appeal is like, look again, take the rules out of their, their playbook. And what if, what if you just had a nine to one compression ratio, 302 in 1970 or 78?
2: I only think about seventies disco era cars As the only way to make them comply with the U.S. NHTA standards, you know, it's crazy. Throw another vacuum hose at it. You know, throw another air compressing belt, you know, at it. You know, this doesn't run right. We're going to make the thing run on eight cylinders sometimes. Then we're going to make it run on four cylinders. Then we're going to make it run on six cylinders. And and all that type of thinking, I guess, is just throwing ideas at a wall and seeing if it sticks. Because you know that in 1978, 79, a full-size Ford with a frame, you open up the hood and you can't see the engine. Because there's so many emissions valves and hoses and boxes and just absolute craziness. And then you get into the G-body feedback carburetors, the almost not computer feedback carburetors that change themselves with the little screw motors. I I had 80s era G-body cars, and I remember that quite well. I don't know if you've gotten into that. The electric feedback carburetors that you adjust and then it readjusts itself to be crappy.
3: Well, looking at the, the Grand Prix, there's definitely a lot of things to be learned. Um, but rest assured, Internet, I still have a two barrel car, a V8 with two barrels. So you guys can, I can keep that consistent. I can still have the most hated two barrel V8 on the Internet. So that's good. I removed the smog pump on the Fairmont and a number of vacuum lines. I want to say I probably reduced the vacuum lines by 50%, but it still looked cluttered when I was like, it's still, it's just like, I think Uncle Tony's Garage has a saying, like, yeah, just, you know, late 70s, the, the harvest was plentiful up in the vacuum hose orchard. And
2: so they just put vacuum hoses everywhere. And and I don't understand why, Jason, do you, do you have any as a mechanic? Cause I'm, I'm on the body man side as a mechanic. Do you know why any engineer would just jam vacuum hoses all over everything?
1: Oh, I, I do for sure. And I think it's just simply to mess with the mechanics, you know, in the later years. So mm. let's make these lines out of rubber, put them in an area where it gets hot and cold very frequently. And in five to seven years time, they start cracking and, and breaking And it's going to be every mechanic's worst nightmare to find out which one of the 37.35 hoses that's in there uh, cracks, bakes, uh, you know, dies, whatever it is. But for those of you who are listening to this podcast right now, and you're inclined to want to declutter underneath your hood, you know, get rid of that smog pump or get rid of that lean burn system or whatever it happens to be, you can go over to racingjunk.com and place your ad to get rid of that stuff, because chances are there's somebody out there looking for something to bring it right back to original, or maybe you're looking to buy replacement heads, a carburetor, an intake. Go over to racingjunk.com and find out anything you ever want for your project car. I failed to, I failed to mention, like I think this may, may have been the
3: first time in automotive history that three guys in one virtual chat room, wanted to build a Mustang too at some point in their life. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I keep—I I mean, almost daily—I go like back and forth on. Did I just make a really crappy financial decision? <laughs> to uh, so man, these G bodies are—they're hauling a lot of money in right now. And I found a like an auction site that you know they just auction off classics, right? And there was mm-hmm. one of my exact same color, same year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it had a. 350 Chevy in it, but mm-hmm. I mean, it really wasn't that far off of what my car is. And
0: mm-hmm.
3: it
2: showed 18,000. I'm like, hmm, okay, I'll keep at it. <laughs>
1: right. The G-bodies are starting to really come up in price. It's amazing. <sighs> well, one thing you got to keep in mind, too, is the only person, the only person that you've got to sell the financial decision to is your better half. <laughs> Right. Like no, nobody else matters if you can convince her that you bought this car for X number of dollars, but look, this one just sold for eighteen grand. You know, yes. it's there's only one person you gotta sell that project to. So I think at the end of the day, I think you made a great financial decision. Besides, if, if you're buying cars for the financial decisions, <laughs> you're in the business for the wrong reason, man. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> As you were talking about all that,
3: Jason, it, it reminded me of the fact that stock factory heads on the, the Fairmont, they had the Thermactor pump or something like that, um, a, a, smog, a smog accommodation on the back of the heads. But the, by the time Ford was engineering, so the GT40P heads are Ford Explorer 5-liter head, so about 1998 and on, a lot of people think it's Ford's best cast iron head ever made. But it, it scavenges exhaust so well on its own that they were able to delete the thermactor on the back. So honestly, even though I did this head swap and I deleted emissions equipment, like honestly, it's just it's just the byproduct of 20 plus years of research and development that I'm not really so sure that I made this up worse for the environment car when I did that head swap.
2: I went through and like I say, as a body man, I did my best to go through the 80s and 90s. And and when cars had to be inspected, I know I'm from Missouri, cars had to be inspected on a rolling dyno and they had to pass emissions. It was kind of crazy because you'd have these, you know, 70s and 80s cars that were supposed to be engineered much better for the environment and they wouldn't pass the smog tests at all. And it was absolutely crazy. And it was difficult to own those cars at
3: that time. And just so you know, John, both my Fairmont and my Grand Prix now, they're littered with stickers from the state of Missouri on the windshields and everything.
2: That was a dark time for the state of Missouri when we had to have cars on a dyno. It was uh, it was a crazy, crazy time. And then they went from having things where you had to have it inspected on a dyno, and then you would have uh, cars that would pass a majority of the amount of time, and you would go on an on-ramp, and they would sniff test your car as you drove past it at 50 miles an hour on an on-ramp. I don't know how that's supposed to work. I don't know if you had that stuff in your state. It's absolutely crazy.
3: No, the wind blows well enough here in Kansas that we don't, we don't do sniff
1: tests are usually left to the feed lots, So <laughs> The corn rows got 50 miles an hour, but hey, you know they're doing better. They're growing faster now. So, Grant, I know
2: we talk about what drives youth. What are you doing? Are you working towards getting the younger generation involved with cars? You know, we, we were talking about this on the Car Guy and Six
3: Fan Show, I think it was just last week, that just demographic-wise, it's, it's, it's funny how people plus five years, minus five years of my age are, are drawn to my channel, mm-hmm. right? So I think proactively, I don't know that I really am. I don't know, subconsciously, I guess you might say, the way that I, that I am is, is the cars I'm building the way I'm building them is, is meant to be, I want to help high school kids find the cars that we'll just take the fair amount as an example. Everybody. I, I had many commenters say you need to throw an intake manifold and four barrel carb on that. And I said, <laughs> Nope, I'm not going to do that. Cause that's, that's low hanging fruit for, for like a high school kid. Is a high school kid going to be able to throw on a, gt40p heads and and not screw something up i don't know that's it's going to be a learning curve my idea is always to build kind of a starter kit of a car that if a parent a parent shouldn't be afraid to let their high school kid drive that to high school like it's going to have good brakes it's going to have you know it's going to be a fun car but it's not going to get them in too much trouble i guess i'd say And, and that's kind of always been my approach so that well, I had to just build what I got, the 1995 Ford F-150 with 4.9 liter and the Mazda transmission. Okay, so so what happens if a high school kid buys a 1978 Ford Fairmont with track lock, rear end, four-wheel disc brakes, 17-inch wheels, beefed-up sway bar, GD-40P heads, full exhaust, but it's still a two-barrel car. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I, that's, that's, I think where I, you know, kind of not, not proactively am I doing it, but I I think in the back of my head, I'm always trying to cater to a 16 to 18 year old grant.
1: So I guess one thing that we want to talk about a little bit too, is the future of what Grant Tommy wants to do on YouTube, because obviously, you know, we're here to talk about your channel. We're here to talk about promote you. So what are some of the things in the future? Obviously, we've mentioned the uh, Grand Prix. What does the future lie for Straight Six Fan, the YouTube channel? What are your aspirations? What are your goals to see that succeed to carry on the message of of what it is that you do on that channel?
3: I think for anybody out there starting a YouTube channel here in 2022 is not to think about, could I do YouTube full-time? But start to think about how could YouTube ultimately be a pre-marketing link for something else down the road. And so to answer your question, Jason, it's kind of there's kind of two parts to it. In the immediate future, I need to prove that offbeat hot rodding works. And yeah, I did it once with the Fairmont, but to do it a second time, I think it's gonna make a lot of believers about out of my content. And so the Grand Prix is gonna take a little bit of a different twist than what Project Low Fairmont did. I think i'm going to lean into the whole pro touring thing a little heavier i think i'm going to really focus on suspension work i'd like to do brake work as well but uh, um see what the budget has in store it might just be suspension wheel and tire and kind of stance and look and 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 all that um but long term i guess pre-marketing wing so i live in a 990 square foot two bedroom townhome right now. And it does have a two car garage. So I'm limited by space, by what I can do. So these, these projects, my Grand Prix Ford Fairmont kind of meant to be learning tools and flip opportunities. If I don't profit off of, I made all my money back on my Fairmont, but if I don't profit off of anything, I I just consider my tuition for learning the pre-marketing wing. So I want people that, you know, like my stuff, obviously, we all do, <laughs> um, but but kind of get it, get a sense for sense of style and that thing. But my dream, I guess, is to build rat rods out of old grain trucks here in the state of Kansas and and build a business out of because um, you think about it, a grain trucks used twice a year and put in the garage for the rest of the year. So you have 1950s, 1960s era, you know, unless you accidentally ran into the grain cart or whatever, they've got next to zero, no body work and, and no need to repaint them. Or if they have surface rusted, you've got great patina. And I just feel like there's in the state of Kansas, it's market rich for those candidates. And I think there's a, I think there's a business to be made out of uh, I some of these bigger ranchers too. Like they just have an old fifties wheat truck. I try to buy one every day to work out in the pasture what are you going to do with that and i feel like i don't know if you guys watched more of the car hordes or uh rusted development but it, it their whole thing was about like cleaning up people's hordes and building one car out of their car hoard. like they would scrap or sell or do all the stuff with their giant car hoard and say if you could build one what would it be i feel like there's a lot of farmers in the state a lot of big ranchers that it's like you've got old rusty implements out in the pasture let's scrap those let's do this let's pull the Diesel motor out of the Alice Chalmers combine, and let's just build your rat rod out of this grain truck. That's my my pie in the sky dream, I guess.
1: And if you guys like what you've heard here on this podcast, uh, with what Grant is doing over on his channel, uh, and and the way he thinks, and the and 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 the way he wants to you know, kind of move forward uh, in his projects. Make sure you're following him on all of his social medias. We'll make sure we have that down in the description of this podcast so you can go check him out. Straight Six Fan, S-T-R-8, S-I-X-F-A-N. Pretty simple. Once you see it, make sure you're following him.
2: I, I know that I've, I've watched your show and, and every Thursday, you know, I'm there. And whether it's on Straight Six Fan channel or if it's on Old Car Guy, I'm there and I'm having fun and I'm watching other people comment and, and it's a great group of people that you guys have together. And I'm glad that you can kind of hang out with us for a little bit and promote your channel a lot more. I think that's pretty cool. And also you like nerd cars and seventies cars. You're, you're checking all the good boxes so far. That's great. Of of all the silly stories and things that you said, have you had anybody that is straight up said, what are you doing or making fun of you for, for having off brand cars other than the guy raising his hand here, Jason?
3: <laughs> <laughs> but you know, most of the comments were, were hating on the two barrel, you know, I guess you, you it's easy to forget the hater comments, right? Mm-hmm. Like Jason and I are pretty good about like, we'll screenshot each other like, Get a load of this guy. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and so you try to kill him with kindness. I I, I really subscribe to Gary Vaynerchuk line of thinking. He's like, dude, what is going so wrong in your life right now that you got to feel like you got to go out of your way to say something so nasty like this? And so, generally speaking, that's the approach I take. Look, dude, like you really took the time mm-hmm. to go out of your way to make some nasty, negative comment. <laughs> I'm sorry, dude, but that must suck to be you. Have you anybody you know?
2: had anybody in real life in like you go to a car show and somebody or you go to a car cruise and hang out and somebody says, What the hell are you doing? Why are you why are you put more than a nickel into this junker that you're driving? No, I haven't hadn't that, but that's probably a small sample
3: size. It took the fair amount to one one car show. It was an all Ford car show I won. <laughs> most unique on a day in which uh the like rain and chance of thunderstorms scared a lot of people away from blue springs missouri mm-hmm. <laughs> but and i was parked between a ford durango and another ford fairmont so right. i was in good company no i ha- haven't had to deal with that yet but just wait till the grand prix when the that split brick the split headlights and that front <laughs> brick nose shows up to some car shows well i'm sure i'll be fielding those questions for sure
2: Yeah, I I do remember myself, a friend of ours in high school, he couldn't afford a lot of things, and he had an 81 Impala was gold four-door with a tan vinyl top and tan interior, just a brick police car four-door. And we sat there and stared at it because I think it was his mom's car or his aunt's car. We said, what the heck are we going to do with this thing? Well, we went to the swap meet and we bought some uh seventy-eight Camaro five spoke rallies, you know, the, the five spoke Z twenty eight wheels with the little trim rings, put white letter tires on that, stuck them on that car, and we paint them the same color as the car, and uh we built a pretty hot three twenty-seven and stuck that in there with a power glide. And it had a chunky cam and it had good exhaust and everything on it. And we drove that thing around, and it was stoplight quick for the kids, you know, and it was fun, and it would melt the tires off of it, but we drove it through the car cruises with everybody having street rods and 30s and 40s cars, and everybody's got a red '70 Chevelle, and everybody's got a, a, you know, a green or a white Mustang, 67 or 9 Mustang. And we got laughed out of the local burger joint because we were trying to be out of the norm. But that was in late 80s, early 90s, and that was when you had to have a Chevelle or a Mustang or nobody gave a crap about you. And here we're trying to drive this gold Impala through the parking lot, and, and everybody's screaming at him that it's his mom's car. And what the hell are you doing? But I still have that mindset, and that's what gets people's attention. And I've still carried that mindset on to today. And that's that's why I can't wait to drive a uh, a wood grain K-Car convertible. <laughs>
3: When you talk K cars, I still think we—I still think the opportunities out there to break the internet with a Hellcat diplomat is still yes. one of my dreams.
2: <laughs> yes, and that way you have a Hellcat diplomat that is all green, and it just says
1: Hunter on the license plate. <laughs> it has so many I'd meanings. Be well, you know, one of the things that we uh, that we take away from from this episode of the Get Out Dry podcast is learning that. Odd-looking cars or not-so-popular cars can be project cars. Four-door cars can be project cars. doesn't matter what you're driving. You can make them cool. You can throw a set of wheels on it. You can tint the windows. You can tuck the bumpers. You can do whatever you want. But at the end of the day, it's your ride. You're building it for you. And your biggest critic should and only should be yourself. Don't worry about what the haters are going to hate on. This project is something that you're doing for your liking, for what you want to do, and for nobody else. So if you're listening to this and there's only one thing you take away from this podcast, if you're building a car, you're building a project, do it for yourself because you're not spending anybody else's money, you're spending your own. If you had somebody else's budget, you could do a lot more with a car. It's easy for someone to sit back, armchair quarterback, a build on a car with somebody else's budget. Nobody knows what that is. And one of the things about being friends with Grant for as long as I have side conversations we have, the texts, the calls, the whatever, is that he is his biggest critic when it comes to building his car. And that is something that keeps him successful in doing what he's doing, regardless of whether a simple brake job takes him 10 episodes on his car, on his YouTube channel. Hey <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I had to bring that up. Either way you look at it, it's about having fun. It's about sharing your experience. We are real world people we make mistakes we have problems uh, and we're not afraid to share that on our videos or on our YouTube channels because you know not because we want to be critiqued but because we're not trying to fake it we're not trying to be somebody else one of the things that you're going to get when you watch straight six fan on his YouTube channel is you're going to get Grant Tommy Uh, you're going to get everything that he knows he's going to tell you what he doesn't know he's not going to pretend and it's real world stuff so if you want to see something that I'm going to try and do this in one take. Is budget minded, relatable, and creative builds, then you're going to want to watch Straight Six Fan because that's exactly what he's doing over there. Grant, thank you so much for coming on to the Get Out and Drive podcast. I, I love being able to sit here candidly and be able to chat with you because uh, when we're doing our show, it's more hands on. We're trying to watch the chat, we're trying to keep up with comments and questions and stuff like that. And here it's just a couple of guys sitting around. Talking about POS cars.
2: Hanging out and bench racing. That's, that is is the best part of the Get Out and Drive podcast. And along the lines of what Jason was saying earlier, I have two words for Jason. Hellcat Yugo.
1: Oh, yes. <laughs> so again, uh, back to what I was talking about when we we're spending somebody else's <laughs> money. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, As
3: a straight six fan, I feel like that needs to be 2JZ Yugo. 2JZ Yugo,
1: yes. 2JZ <laughs> Yugo.
3: Project XYZ or
1: something. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, Grant, thanks for hanging out with us. We really appreciate it. If you guys don't know who he is or you want to know more, make sure you head over to his socials, uh, which will be listed down in the uh, description of this podcast. Thank you. All
2: right, Grant, thanks a ton, well, buddy.
3: Well, I appreciate you guys for uh, extending the invite. It's been a real pleasure to talk to you, and, and hopefully, hopefully, some people out there can kind of get inside my head and figure out. What what the heck this guy's all about so I appreciate the opportunity guys.
0: Speed over to our friends at racingjunk.com and sign up for a pro club membership. Use the code get out to receive a discount when you sign up for a pro club membership. Cruise on over to our website getoutanddrive.com for all the info you never wanted to know about our podcast. Hit us up on our listener hotline be the first to know what's happening, get industry news and grab your get out and drive merch connect with us on social media find us on facebook instagram and tiktok follow us on twitter at get out and drive pod what drives you